0: Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome to another session in Global Answers. We're very glad to have you with us. And today we're going to go into special testimony by a pastor from South Carolina here in America, Pastor Michael Oltig. And it's always good to hear personal testimony as to how God became real to each uh, individual. And that's what we're going to share with you today in today's program. And then uh, if the timing goes right and we can work it out right, we'd like to talk to you also in our next session with Brother Michael still here uh, about how the Bible became real to him and what he saw in Scripture that proved to him that the Bible is absolutely the Word of God. And uh, Brother Michael, I'd like to, for you to uh, greet the people, and uh, if you would, tell us a little bit about how you switched from being an atheist to a believer in Christ Jesus. Well,
1: it's good to be here with you, Brother Lonnie, and talking to different people all over the world, and it's a real privilege and an honor to be invited into your, into your homes. And I guess I didn't really switch. Something changed in my life. But in my early life, my, my uh, father had deserted my mother when I was a year and a half old. And then my mother remarried. And uh, my stepfather, who was always a real father to me, and I loved him very much, and he always loved me as a son and treated me well. But in his early life, when he was, he was young, as, as we had talked about mm-hmm. earlier that... Um, that he was—he uh, lied about his age when he went into, into the Army. And uh, he was about 15 or 16 years old, and he was from a, a small community in Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, because it was such a small community that he was, he was the, the children that he was raised with, the young men, had went into the service with him. And he was in the Army and had gotten uh, put into a Marine uh, force in Guadalcanal. And all of the children that he had been raised with, it was young men at that time that they were killed and some of them went crazy and it had a real uh, profound effect into his life. And he'd been raised a real strict Lutheran uh, in his family because my last name is Ultig, and that's uh, Norwegian and he was Norwegian. But uh, it, it did something into his life and he became a, an atheist. And my mother... She was a Northern Baptist, which the Northern Baptists are, are liberal in comparison to the Southern Baptist. And uh, as life transpired with us, we, we moved to the South. And she didn't like the uh, strictness of the Southern Baptist. so then she joined the Lutheran Church. And because I love my daddy so much that uh, him being an atheist, I can remember when I was little that he used to say, well... If there's a God out there, let him strike me. dead, and he'd spit up in the air. Mm, and just and when he'd talk to a, a minister, that you know, he'd say, "Well, if God is 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 all powerful, let me see him throw a baseball so far he can't see it." And uh, and so then I I kind of followed in the footsteps mm-hmm. of my father. That would be natural. Mm-hmm. And so I was a an atheist, and the first thing that. As far as, you know, we say words and things and maybe somebody might think something when I say atheist and I might be
0: mm-hmm.
1: meaning something else. But I believe that, uh, that a person that's an atheist doesn't believe in any God or any superhuman being or anything. You just feel like, like you're just material here on this world and like a dog or a tree or anything else, once you die, that's it. That's, mm-hmm. There's no purpose, there's no meaning, there's no, nothing to life, no afterlife or anything and a real atheist is, is self-made because when man is born into this world, uh, he's pagan or he, he looks for a superhuman being or, or he looks for a God somewhere, whether it's in a totem pole or, or whether it's in religion or whether it's in fire or superstition or, or tradition. And he, he is by nature, he's, he's a, I call it a pagan because we have to be converted mm-hmm. to Christianity mm-hmm. by a new birth. And so then we would be pagan because we would worship or try to find God in some aspect of our life. So an atheist is a person that's self-made. He's usually, I feel like, a person that's fairly intelligent. He likes to argue and debate like my daddy would. And so I was an atheist. And I can remember two times before my conversion that the Lord came uh, close to me in my life. First time I was a young man, I graduated when I was 17 and I was going to college and working in between semesters and uh, I had become acquainted with a, a man in the bank where I was working and he was a very, uh, a very sincere, dedicated man and uh, his, his demeanor and his personality and his projection as far as being a Christian seemed like it, it touched my life and and he was not part of a denominational. He was just having house meetings and he had talked to me about some things in the Bible and and I I came very very close in my life at that time uh, to going to church and but I, I drew back and decided not to. The only time that I had ever been to church was if I had an interest in a girl or something and they were Christians, I'd go there, you know, to be the, you know, the nice guy and But I didn't find anything there. I just, it was nothing. As a young boy, I went to, uh, that reminds me, when I was a young man, my mother used to send me to Sunday school and I was going to get baptized one time. It was a Baptist church and they're very influential and my father felt that. He didn't have anything against me getting baptized and getting saved, but he he felt that I had been uh, pressured or Mm -hmm. influenced into making this decision. So he, he uh, didn't want me to get baptized at that time. The second time in my life that I can remember that that I say that God came close to me or I came close to his presence was uh, I had joined the army and and I had been sent to Vietnam. And I had been there a few months. And uh, the normal course of life there was, you know, whenever you finished your your duties or on the weekends, we would just get some beer and sit down and drink and and play cards, whether we played hearts or it wasn't really gambling, but we liked to play cards to pass time. And and I had a dream. And uh, in that dream, I died. And when I, it sounds strange, but after I died, I woke up and I was laying in a coffin and I'd been buried. And it was a very uh, lonely feeling. And I think that's one of the worst things in life is, is to be alone, all alone. And I feel that uh, Brother Branham, uh, a man we consider to be a prophet of God, that when he was carried to hell, that it was a very lonely place. There was mm-hmm. no mother, no father, right. no God. And, and I think that's one of the most horrible things in life is to be totally alone. A hermit mm-hmm. is not alone. He has a dog, he has a horse, mm-hmm. he has a bird, he has something and, uh, and so I was all alone, and it was like a, a fear, maybe like claustrophobia or being put into a, a, a dark closet or something. And I, was, I just felt a real terrifying fear. I knew that there was things going on around me in the world, but I was in this coffin, and it was like he was in a straitjacket. I couldn't move my arms or anything. And just, I could feel this terror just kind of overcoming me. And then all of a sudden it started getting real light,
0: hmm.
1: and uh, and then I could just see like if you were a, an angel or some kind of a spirit being, just uh, looking down on the earth and seeing people and things. And I just felt this, oh, this real sigh of relief, you know, because I wasn't in the dark now, and I could see things moving
0: around me. So you had come out of the casket up, up above, evidently. down. Yeah. I mean, in this dream, this is in winter. this dream. Yeah, right.
1: because now I wasn't in this darkness or this enclosure. Let me read it. I just want to read a scripture. I was going to read this uh, Psalms because it kind of reminds me of this and I think it has to do um, with my life. In Psalms 18 and and verse uh, 28, for thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And perhaps that this dream was a was a foreshadowing or even a prophecy of what was going to take place in my life as far as being an atheist or an unbeliever or in, an ungodly person to a darkness. Christian. Yeah. In darkness. I was in darkness yeah. because darkness in the scriptures always speaks of, of uh, spiritual ignorance. Yeah. If a man was blind, uh, speaking spiritually, Jesus said the, the blind lead the blind. They all fall in the ditch. He was talking about those that were Spirit. spiritually ignorant right. of the true light. And so then looking that, uh, the candle of, of man or his lamp would be his soul. Mm-hmm, right. And so in lighting my soul, only God can do that. One man can't light another man's soul. No. It takes God through, through man, through the Word. Yeah. So after I had this dream, uh, as some dreams do, they linger with you and, and are impressive, uh, I decided I wanted to go to church. So I asked this friend of mine, I said, let's go to church He said, all right, and I can't remember what the sermon was. I wished I I could, but we went to church that Sunday morning, and I don't feel anything taking place in my life spiritually. It wasn't like anything was answered. There was no commitment. It was just I wanted to do something, and I did it. And uh, that following week, uh, I received a a contact from the uh, Red Cross and said my father was dying, and they were going to send me home. I didn't know it, but at that time, my father was already dead, and he had committed suicide. When I uh, got to California, I called my mother on the phone, and I wanted to know how my daddy was doing. And she said, well, Michael, he's already dead. I said, what? And then she told me that he had taken his life, and I said, when I hung up, I thought about it, and I said, I'll never serve a God like that. Mm -hmm. because see a a man or a person sometimes it's unconverted when they get saved which I didn't but it's kind of like you know I love God so much and and he did so much for me I think I'm going to do something for him so then that kind of relationship with God always creates a I'll do something good and I know God is going to do something Mm -hmm. good for me Mm -hmm. so I guess that was what my perception was and I said I'll just never serve a God like this here I go to church and now my daddy's dead. What mm-hmm. what kind of a god is this? Yeah, yeah, right. So I was at that time probably, that was 1965. I was uh, I was probably about uh, twenty-two or twenty-three at that time, because I was born in nineteen forty-two. So nothing transpired in my life from that time until nineteen seventy-three. As far as religiously, I uh, in 1972 I'd had a a wreck. I used to like to ride motorcycles, cross country, and uh, uh, enduro racing, they call that. I had just really fell in love with riding motorcycles, not on the a, on a highways or or anything else, just like you'd ride a horse. And uh, I had had an accident getting ready to go into the woods. I, me and another uh, man had run head on in our motorcycles, and and when we were coming at each other, I leaned one way and he leaned the other way, and my left foot got in, in between the foot pegs on the motorcycles, and we were going about 20 miles an hour apiece. So it broke all of my metatarsals and crushed all my toes and my left foot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to cut my boot off, and, and my wife uh, carried me to the emergency room. And they, they wired my toes and my, and, uh, my metatarsals together, and... It was an extreme uh, sharp pain. And they were uh, giving me morphine for the pain, but the, the pain would never leave. It wasn't a dull, it was a real sharp pain. And my mother-in-law was a, was a, a backslidden Pentecostal, but she still, she believed in God. And, and at that time, I didn't realize it, but her life was being uh, reformed. She was or, uh, being restored back as a Christian. And so uh, my wife while I was in the hospital, was talking to my mother-in-law and 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 uh, she she looked at me and she said, well, Michael, would you like to have my mother pray for you? And of course, you know me, I'm an atheist and nobody's really an atheist. You just project yourself as that mm-hmm. way. And I said, well, yeah, I guess. And uh, she prayed for me. I talked to her on the phone a few minutes and, and uh, like I said, there was no desire to be a Christian. There was nothing, you know, it was just a willingness to submit to that. And so... Uh, she prayed for me on the phone, and I hung up the phone, and it was like somebody sedated me. I could just feel my body relaxing, the pain mm-hmm. left. Wonderful. And I looked over at my wife, and I said, well, you might as well go, honey. I said, I'm fixing to go to sleep. And I just went to sleep, and, and that was my first, uh, if we could call it experience, my first experience uh, with God and with his uh, power,
0: although I didn't realize removed it, the pain?
1: It took the pain and it just like I took a sedative, it just put me to sleep. Yeah, wonderful. Nothing happened. Uh, got back on my motorcycle with a cast on my foot. No commitment, no no uh, afterthoughts about getting saved or anything. Mm-hmm. This was in 1972. In 1973, uh, I had two, two children, two boys, probably about four or five years old. I was married in 1967. And uh, we had a child that first year, and this is 1973. And uh, I had a good job. Me and my wife were happy and had two children, a nice, a nice home, probably just average income. But uh, I wasn't dissatisfied. I wasn't looking for any answers in life. I wasn't in search of anything. And I'd found happiness in my family and in and my, my motorcycles so I wasn't really a man that was maybe desperate or his back up against the wall or, or anything. I just was complacent. And uh, at this time, my mother-in-law and her walk with God, she, was, uh, she had come into the Pentecostal church and been born again. And there was a friend of hers that when she backslid and went into the world, this friend of hers, a woman, had gone into, into the message of the hour or come into contact with the teachings of Brother Branham. And, uh, and then her, her revelation of God in the Word had deepened. And so she started talking to my mother-in-law uh, about Brother Branham and about how God had sent a prophet. And, and uh, my mother-in-law was, you know, listening to her. And when she was in Pentecost, my mother-in-law, she was a woman that was gifted with visions, and the Lord had showed her some visions concerning the original sin in the Garden of Eden. mm mm-hmm. And she knew it had something to do with sex, but she didn't really know what it meant.
0: Yeah, our viewing audience understands this. We've gone into this before. Okay.
1: And so when the woman began to share with her about this serpent seed that this prophet had, had brought, she, it, was, uh, it was something that God had already planted that he was going to work with her. So then she began to listen. And because of that, she began to recognize the truth in this message. And uh, she had been tr- uh, baptized in the Trinitarian doctrine. So... When she saw in the Bible, she said, well, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's one name. And here's, here's a Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, messenger of God. And he says, repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't saying anything different than what Jesus was saying. He was only saying what he said, except he put in the proper name that it was.
0: Mm-hmm. So she Rather said, than... Father, Son, and Holy right. Ghost, Lord Jesus Lord Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, of
1: pillar fire of the Old Testament, God coming in human flesh, and Jesus and returning back the comforter yeah. in His church, veiled in, in people. And so she was going to get rebaptized, and she had recommitted her life to the Lord, and, and we had no contact with her on this at all. And uh, the Lord spoke to her and told her to come talk to me. Mm hmm. So she came to the house and began to talk to me and my wife Janet. And uh, she was just simple things like, you know, about Abraham and the Bible. Of course, me being an atheist, I had no religious background, no uh, religious teachings other than Jonah and the, and the fish, and Samson and Goliath, and yeah, David, things, you know, yeah. and, or David and Goliath and Samson, and, you know, different things like that that i had heard in Sunday school. And, uh, So as she began to to talk with me, I I could feel I was uh, kind of breaking up on the inside a little bit. And I didn't like that. It kind of made me kind of
0: uncomfortable. Now, breaking up, you mean like you wanted to cry? Yeah, like
1: emotionally. I could feel that it was disturbing me emotionally, not in a negative, but be like if somebody told you that your mother was dying. It was kind of a, I call it breaking up on the inside. And I just didn't like that my daddy raised me that men don't cry, so mm-hmm. I never cried. Even at my daddy's funeral, I never cried until they started to put the, the casket in the ground, and then I started to mm-hmm. to weep a little bit, but I was a very unemotional type person, and, and I was raised that way. to you know. And so I didn't particularly care for that. I, to me, uh, because of, of the way that my concept was, it was uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't put two and two together to think that maybe I was responding to anything. Mm-hmm. So she left. And that same week or maybe that weekend, she called and said she was coming back. So my wife said, well, uh, my mother's is coming back over here to talk to us again. And I thought, I said, I don't want to be here when she gets here. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> but she came back, and right. so then I was yeah. there. And so the third time she came back, I was getting ready to go to work, and it was in the afternoon, and I was eating my my lunch as I was preparing to go, and she was sitting at the uh, table with me and my wife was sitting next to me. And she was talking about the Lord and the Word of the Lord, and she began to talk about Elijah and Mount Carmel and the fire coming down. And, and at that time, there was a presence, just a, a, an atmosphere that began to, to settle into the room. And she began to speak in tongues, and she stood up and she interpreted and I can't remember all of what she said, but what stuck into my heart that the Lord spoke to me and said, if you'll humble yourself before me, I'll exalt you in due season, which is a scripture. And uh, I looked to my wife and I said, Janet, God has called me to something uh, in his service in my life. And it's something great. And I don't know what it is. And that word great doesn't mean superb yeah. or yeah. it means important or, or something profound. And at that time, I didn't associate it with a ministry uh, I I got ready to to go to to work and I I was crying, just nose running and <laughs> and I didn't know why. I got in my truck and I was I was driving to work. It was about a thirty minute drive. And I cried all the way all the way to work. And uh, it was like the sun, like I was staring in the sun because uh, it was like my eyes had become sensitive to light. And it was just I just remembered the brightness. Not that I could see a pillar of fire or anything supernatural it just seemed bright and I was just crying and weeping going to to work and I and I remember while I was riding there to work I said well God why why am I crying why am I crying and so then uh, I knew I knew that uh, by what my mother-in-law was telling me that this water baptism was something that wasn't normal amongst the, the Christians and I said, well, well, and then my wife at that time also had, we both came to the Lord at the same time mm-hmm. in that same That's experience. Wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, and so I asked my mother-in-law, because she hadn't told us anything that was transpiring in her life at this time. She said, I said, well, where can we get baptized? Where's a church that baptizes like this? And, and where's a church that would teach uh, these things that you're talking about? Because I knew enough that it wasn't something that was common. Yeah. And... Uh, and she said, Well, she said, I'm fixing to get rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she says, I can have that minister come talk to you. And I said, Well, yeah. I said, Because I, I just, you know, you just, I'm just waiting to get in the water. I've made a commitment in my life. And he came, he talked to us about different things. And, and we had prayer together. And we had to wait about a, a two or three weeks for the weather and everything to be baptized. So I was baptized. And uh, I never made any resolutions in my life. I never said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this, and I'm not going to do this anymore. I just, I, I became so uh, interested in the Word. It just seemed like it was a, a hunger. So I was constantly reading in the Word, and me and my wife, we just lived for Wednesday for service and Sunday for service. Our whole life now began to center around mm-hmm. uh, God and His, His uh, people and the fellowship, and uh, and then I began to read Brother Branham's message, and to listen to the to the tapes. And and I would listen to them day and night. I'd get off of work, and I would I would listen to tapes all night long. Mm-hmm. I would read because I was a reader, and I would I actually get more out of reading than I do listening. And I just spent all my waking hours almost in the Word. And uh, at work, I didn't realize there was any difference in my life because I was so absorbed into this new life it wasn't like I was trying to do anything different but as I began to see what pleased God and what didn't things began to change in mm-hmm. my life right I'd, I'd seen people make uh, uh, commitments in their life and then go right back to the yeah. commitments that right. they had said they're not going to do and I had a man come to me at, at work he was my superintendent and uh, I was working on a particular job where I was by myself and he came to me and he he said, Michael, he said, um, you've really made me ashamed of myself. And I said, I have. I said, well, well what did I do? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry. I just, He said, well, he said, I'm, I'm a Christian. And he said, I've worked here for 10 years. And he said, in the, in the 30 days, in the one month that you've been converted, you've had more of an impact on this plant in 30 days than I have in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I said, well. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I I didn't know. But you know, he never asked me about my experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because he knew that the things that I believed was different than what his Mm -hmm. church told him. And he didn't really want to know that. Right. The only thing, he recognized that there was a change. And my mother had told me, she said, Michael, I have three sisters, one older sister and two younger sisters. She told me later on, she said, Michael, Of all the children,
0: I never, ever thought that you would get saved. Friends, uh, this is a testimony of the changing power by the Word of God. The Holy Spirit began to deal with this man, and he hardly even knew it. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Spirit of the Father draw him. There was a drawing taking place, and then he did the very best thing he could possibly do, AND THAT'S HE BEGAN TO FEED ON THE WORD OF GOD. JESUS SAID, THE WORDS I SPEAK UNTO YOU, THEY ARE SPIRIT AND THEY ARE LIFE. I CANNOT ENCOURAGE YOU ENOUGH, FRIENDS, GET INTO THE WORD OF GOD AND FIND THAT LIFE. GOD BLESS YOU. WE'LL BE BACK WITH YOU AGAIN. I WANT TO RECOMMEND THIS BOOK TO YOU, WHICH IS THE EXPOSITION OF THE SEVEN CHURCH AGES. YOU'LL FIND IT AT THE END OF THE PROGRAM, OUR WEBSITE. YOU CAN ORDER IT FROM THERE and it'll show you inside the, the relative light in each age that we're in we know that revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3 are seven churches of asia and those seven churches are historical or prophetic of an age to come we're over here in this very last age and so i recommend that you get a hold of this book if you want to know where we are in time and what god's doing this is it a copy of the church age book that brother lonnie just mentioned or to receive a dvd of today's program entitled the bible the prophetic word write to us at global answers at 1695 stuart road here in lima ohio our zip code is 45801 in the usa or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us friends remember your comments and questions are very important to us so please take the time to send us an email. Our address is info at May our Lord Jesus richly...